This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works or others in the book world about their roles, what those roles entail, and the books they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Thoughts from a Page. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring my podcast. Today, I am interviewing Jane Allen about Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Jane Allen is the pen name of Janique Seeley, a graduate of Duke University and Harvard Law School. An avid traveler, she speaks three languages and has visited five continents. Drawing from her unique experiences as an attorney and entrepreneur, she crafts transcultural stories that touch upon contemporary women's issues, such as workplace and career dynamics, race, fertility, modern relationships, and mental health awareness. A proud native of Detroit, she currently lives in Los Angeles. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Before we get started, I am really excited to tell you about my latest sponsor, The Young Center, here in Houston. The Young Center is delighted to present author and producer Delia Efron on October 5th at their 2021 Fall Benefit, Who's in Your Inbox? Delia Efron talks about life, change, and the relationships that matter. You know Delia's work. With her sister Nora, she co-wrote You've Got Mail, and co-produced Sleepless in Seattle. Delia's newest book, coming out in April, is Left on Fifth, A Second Chance at Life. In it, she describes her story of falling in love after the death of her husband and sister, being diagnosed with cancer, and living through it all with humor and grace. To register, go to younghouston.org and click on Delia Efron. I've included a link in the show notes. You will get $10 off your ticket when you write thoughts from a page in the notes. I am personally planning to attend online, and I hope to see you there as well. Welcome, Jane. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing well as well, and I'm so excited to talk about Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Thank you. I'm excited too. Good. Well, what I usually do is ask authors to kind of give the quick summary of the book for those that haven't read it yet. So could you just give me a quick synopsis? Sure. Black Girls Must Die Exhausted is the story of Tabitha Walker. She's 33 years old, and up to the point that the story begins, she's been living her best life, or so she thinks, according to a checklist. And we meet her on her worst day. She finds out that she has an infertility issue, a reproductive health crisis, and it throws off her checklist and all of the things that she thought would mean fulfillment for her in the conventional sense. And the, the story really begins with her learning how to define and seek fulfillment on her own terms. So that's the gist of the story. But it's it's so much more than that. And there's many, many characters and, and friends and family that support her journey. So it's it's a it's a fun journey to take with her as a reader. It really is. And I loved all the humor as well. Yeah, that was a big part of it. I think humor gets us through some of the biggest challenges in life. I agree with that completely. Well, how did you come up with the idea for it? And then what was your publishing journey like? Well, I came up with the idea for Black Girls Must Die Exhausted in 2016. 
And I, as a Black woman, was feeling the weight of the word exhausted from the politically charged environment that we were in to just feeling a sense of lack of safety personally and and not really knowing from which, you know, corner one thing or another could come that would either be harmful or hurtful or, or a number of things. It just started to feel really weighty. And I felt like if I was feeling this way, I knew a lot of other women must be feeling this way. You know, women of all ethnicities, definitely Black women. I wanted to do something that would be a celebration of who we are and what we are uh, in spite of these circumstances that we find ourselves in in contemporary society as we're you know, exploring where we want to go and how we want to progress. I, I thought it was just really important to celebrate that journey, celebrate the relationships, celebrate friendship, sisterhood, and culture, and all of the things that keep us standing in the midst of difficult circumstances and challenges. And also to do a bit of an exploration of what it feels like to live the contemporary experience of Blackness as a woman, as a Black woman, and what life feels like. So that was what my my objective was in writing this book was to to craft this experience through story and and that was the beginning of the how black girls must die exhausted started to take shape for me and so you sat down to write it and how long did that take so the book process black girls must die exhausted is my first novel and i didn't even when the idea came to me i didn't even realize or think that i could write a novel that was a really intimidating thought but I knew that I wanted to. So I had to go through a process of learning story structure, uh, really understanding how to craft a good story for the reader and bring in tools to, to help bring my idea to fruition. So that took a, about two year journey. And I'm a, I'm a plotter. So I definitely have an outline that I like to work from. And it was a really fun journey to do the character development and the story outline and all of the plotting. So when it came time to write, it, it just took me a few months because I had gone through so many drafts with my outline. So it, it was all told two years, but the actual writing part was kind of condensed. I do think that's one of the benefits of being a plotter is that once you've plotted it all out, the actual writing is a lot faster. Yes, it, it absolutely was. And then you asked me about my publishing journey. So when I did have a completed manuscript, I, I think as a a writer, especially when you've just written your first big piece, you know, as a manuscript piece of fiction, you have a lot of questions about, you know, is it good? Is it good enough? Are people going to like this? Will people read it? Will people finish it? And I had a wonderful group of beta readers, early readers, friends and family, people whose opinions I trusted. And they had such a fantastic response. I was such a positive response. I was so encouraged. So what I did do was decide that I would try to go the traditional route and approach gatekeepers, you know, agents with my manuscript. And the reception that I got was not positive. And in fact, it was a little bit puzzling. It was not so much about the story, but I got feedback that they didn't like my protagonist, you know, Tabitha. She's a black woman, a professional woman. And she's kind of just a person that would seem very relatable, but I got feedback that that she wasn't relatable, but they did like her grandmother, who is, happens to be a white woman, or that they felt that they couldn't connect to the story. And it wasn't a critique of the story itself, but it was these kinds of subjective 
feedback elements that made me think, wow, you know, I wonder if they're underestimating the audience and their and what readers are ready for and what readers are able to connect to because this is very much a human story. And I think Tabitha is, you know, a, a relatable character. She's intended to be that. And the other people that I'd had read it who are, you know, busy professionals and and you know have opinions that I trusted and that wasn't how they felt. So I wanted readers to have the last say. I didn't want that, you know, that gatekeeper experience to be the, you know, thing that made me put this at the bottom of a drawer <laughs> and, and walk away. Even though some of that, you know, could make make you think that, that that's how things should go. But I just thankfully had the benefit of this other feedback on the other side. And, and what I knew deep in my spirit that I felt like readers at large could handle this as a human story and could relate and connect in on a human level. And so I went about self-publishing. I put it out myself. I did the packaging, the production, all of those things. I decided I was going to start a small imprint and, and do this myself and then maybe help other authors who uh, might be facing the same circumstances, you know, un- underrepresented perspectives and voices and just maybe take my experience and make that be something that could help advance diversity in the publishing industry. So I, I really kind of took that experience on and decided, okay, I'm going to, you know, use this book and this experience to help change things. And that kind of became the wind in my sails throughout this whole journey. And it, and it wound up being something that was really, really embraced by uh, the book reading community. And even beyond that, there were people that would leave comments and say, wow, I read your book and I uh, haven't read a book or finished a book in the longest time. And this is really reminding me what I love about reading and it's bringing me back into reading. So those, that was the journey that made it so exciting along the self-publishing part. And then in 2020, um, when we were all quarantined and at home, I decided that I really wanted to help readers unpack this, this story and really make myself available for readers and any book club that wanted me, if they picked my book and, and made my book their selection and they were discussing my book, I would make myself available to join their book club. And so I put that out there. I put it out via Instagram. I said, any book club, if you're reading my book, you want me to join, I will join you virtually. We're all at home. Why not? <laughs> Let's talk about this. And it wound up being overwhelmingly a positive response and people took me up on it. And it was over 60 book clubs that I met with. Wow. Yes. During, during 2020 and across five continents, it was all over the world. Wow. That's amazing. Yes, it was amazing. And it was one of the best experiences as a writer because it let me understand how my story was being received and experienced in the mind of readers and and what the experience was like. Because as a writer, you're just putting words on a page and in your mind, there's something unfolding, but you won't really know until it goes out in the world. And then you hear back from readers what they're experiencing. So that was such a beautiful collaboration that it wound up feeling like that I could really get the experience of my own book (laughs) in these spaces. And then post George Floyd, this book became an avenue for people to be able to unpack the experience of race from a perspective that maybe was unfamiliar to them. You know, they weren't Black to be able to come into this and, and, and to have Tabitha in this vulnerable space where she, it's a first person narrative and she really does unpack 
her feelings of, of what she's experiencing on a day-to-day basis, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's something that is, is happening to her largely because of race or maybe because of race and, and what that experience is for her, what she thinks about, feels, and, and how she has to process all of that. So it became a tool for um, a lot of people in that post-George Floyd of how can I connect into and understand more of what this experience is. So after at the tail end of 2020, I, one of the book clubs, I was asked, you know, what did I want next? And I, I really wanted, I'd had such an amazing experience up to this point and I kind of reached the end of where I could go on my own. And I wanted a traditional publisher to come in. And uh, even though that was kind of unconventional, but to amplify this, the story and this book and to put it in more hands and make it more widely available where, you know, anybody can find it anywhere easily. That was really my dream. And one of the book club members is Ashley Bernardi. She said, I can, um, I think I can help. I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine who's an agent. She introduced me to Lucinda Halpern. We had a meeting literally the next Monday. And the, and that day she said, you know what? I'm, I'm in. She's like, count me in. I get it. I understand your story. I think this is beautiful. What's going on with the community with this book? It's unconventional. I can't promise anything, but I, I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best. And I, I, mean, I think we can get a deal here. So a short time later, we wound up with a four book deal with Harper Perennial. So for the Black Girls Must Say Exhausted trilogy, and we also have a standalone book together. So all of that resulted from this journey. That is the most amazing story I think I have ever heard in the publishing world. I didn't even realize if somebody had self-published their book that then a publisher would still take the book on. That's wonderful. Well, it's very unusual. And so that is, it is an unconventional process. And so that was something that was also kind of a miracle and, and really a testament to the power of community and, uh, and really a testament to my publisher, Harper Perennial, for taking this on and taking a chance in this way and really um, coming to support this project and, and to amplify it and, and do everything. Uh, they've been so supportive and it's just been an incredible experience and incredible partnership to work with them. And, and they've really done what my dream was for this book. I, I couldn't be more thrilled. And you went back to all those people who said no and said, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. But I do wonder what they're thinking now. But my, my hope is, though, that, you know, I, I think about this a lot and, and you know, the, the process of launching this book, and it's, it's been a lot of work and it's been a long journey. But I still I think about that, you know, the more successful, the more visible this book is, hopefully for those that are making decisions with new voices and, and have, you know, gatekeeper responsibilities, that it will give them pause, you know, the next time that maybe they shouldn't. They should think about it because maybe it could be a black girls must die exhausted and maybe they'll give, you know, a, a second thought or more consideration to underrepresented stories or new things that are crossing their desks. So I, it gives me fuel to think about, you know, maybe this is making a positive change. I think that's right. And I love when I hear these type of stories because I do think that shows that even though people said there wasn't an audience for your book, there clearly was and is. And so now that it's heading out into the world, that can show others that they too can write those type of stories and have a place for them as well. Right. And, you know, not to give up. If you if you have an a idea and a dream, and especially for writers, because I think there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of 
you know, mystery around how this happens and how things unfold. So I hope the transparency is serves as encouragement, you know, for for other writers and, and maybe even just people who have things that they've been holding on to that they want to move forward with, but don't see a path forward. There is, you know, and, and the road will, will rise to meet you. So I, I, I hope that that is a little beacon of encouragement for people. So are all three books in the trilogy written? Have you already self-published all three of them? And then these are going to be released by Harper Perennial? Or have you just written the first one and you're working on the next two? So the first one was, I had to rewrite it with uh, my editor, Sarah Reed and the Harper Perennial team. And so it's been edited and and I got a a sort of second shot at uh, recrafting the experience. I, I think about books as an experience. Like I, my intention is to create an experience that unfolds. So it was really uh, a good experience to be able for me to be able to recraft that and polish it up and, and, and make it exactly what it could be. With the second book, it was written. Uh, we rewrote that and re-edited, added scenes, you know, changed the experience a little bit. For the second book, so that's in the can. The it, it's done and, and edited and, and copy edited and, and ready to go past production. And then the third book is in process, so that is almost finished. I've written the last words of the third book, but there's still a bunch that's to fill in and make adjustments, and that should be finished by the end of this year. When is the second one coming out? In February of 2022. Okay, you know, now that we're talking about this, I feel like I did see that and I thought, wow, that's really close in time, but that makes sense. Yes. So I think people will want to continue the journey. <laughs> so we're not trying to make people wait too much longer after, you know, they finish the first book to to get into the continuation of Tabitha's journey. So the second book is Black Girls Must Be Magic. That will be out in February. Well, that's great because when I start a new series and then I have to wait an entire year or sometimes even longer. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. You're like, okay, wait, I got to go back and kind of review, you know, who everybody is and get back into it. So February is perfect. Yes. Yes. So, and then the third book will be out in, later in 2022. So I think we're targeting September. That's wonderful. That's just such a great story. I love it. Thank you. Well, talking a little bit about gatekeepers and the current state of publishing, I know that you are Vice President of Strategy and Community for Zibby's New Press. I would love to hear a little bit about that. Yes, it's such a wonderful development, and I've been having an amazing time with Zibby and the team. I met Zibby in a podcast interview for Black Girls Must Die Exhausted, and we wound up talking afterwards and spent a considerable amount of time together afterwards, but I was telling her that my passion, I told her my story and the, the story I shared with you. And we were talking about our views on publishing and in my professional career outside of writing, a lot of what I've done has been within different industries, the music industry, the cosmetics industry during times of disruption, where the business model was evolving in those times. And, and when I was in the music industry, it was going from physical to streaming. And, and a lot of the digital platforms and business models were starting to, t- to take hold at in that industry. And in cosmetics, it was moving away from full reliance on brick and mortar to distribution, you know, direct to consumers. Now you see a lot of that with, you know, Kylie Cosmetics and different things. So with publishing in this space, I saw so much opportunity for new models and, and, you know, proliferation, more of a proliferation of underrepresented voices, new perspectives, bringing more people back into reading, you know, expanding the base of, of readers rather than shrinking and all of these ideas. And I just 
my experience with Black Girls Must Die Exhausted made me so impassioned about this. And in talking about it, Zibi said, this is, you know, interesting timing because I just so happened to be putting this together. Nobody knows about it yet, but how would you feel about joining? And it was so in line with what I wanted to be doing and, and the change that I hope to create with my journey. It just seemed like a perfect thing to to extend. And, and I'm so excited having a focus on underrepresented voices and the team is amazing. It's all authors that are in this imprint, basically mostly authors. And it's just such an incredible community of people working together with the same focus to really help authors. And the industry, I think, is ready for that kind of change. So it, it's a really exciting opportunity. And I'm so, I couldn't be more thrilled about it. I just think Zibby's amazing. And she's always trying something new, doing something different. This sounds like it will be such a great opportunity for you and just a great opportunity for authors and readers generally. I, I absolutely believe so. And and I think all of the intention that's going into the the press and, and everything about it is is just so heartfelt, coming from a place of a desire to be helpful and to bring books to readers and to bring readers to books and to really benefit authors and to, uh, to give a space, making things easier and figuring out new models and having a space to, to try new things is so important. So I'm just really happy that I can be a part of this. Yeah, that's neat. I look forward to seeing what happens. I, I do too. And, <laughs> and being a part of it as well. Yes, exactly. Before we wrap up, what have you read recently that you really liked? Well, I have read the, the most recent book I read was In Every Mirror, She's Black by Lola Akamade Akerstrom. And she just did an event during my launch week with me. And it was so incredible to be able to talk to her after having read her book. And she's a travel photographer by profession. And this is her first novel. So it, it takes place in Stockholm, Sweden, mostly. And it's about three black women of the diaspora. One is a African who has come to the U.S. and um, is a U.S. citizen, but moves to Stockholm. And another one is a woman who is a second generation, I think, from a Jamaican family, black woman. And the third is a Somali refugee in Stockholm. And all three of these women are connected through this very powerful and wealthy and somewhat mysterious native Swede. He's a, a white, very handsome, very powerful man. And they all have these connections to him. And it just unfolds in this really beautiful way. And it feels a little bit like a trip. And there's a lot of food descriptions. And it's just so descriptive and engaging. So I really enjoyed that book. There's another book I read relatively recently, just a couple months ago, is What Passes is Love uh, by Trisha Thomas. I'm reading Yinka, Where Is Your Husband Now? So that's really, it's a fun read. Um, and very interesting cultural perspectives. It takes place in London. So I'm, I'm reading my way through that book in the midst of my launch as well. Yes, exactly. You're like, and I'm kind of busy because I'm trying to get my own book out in the world. <laughs> yes, yes. But I still love to make time for, for reading and, and especially um, new perspectives and different you know, cultural explorations and take little virtual escapes and trips. So it, it, it's a good uh, escape during all of this. Well, one of the things I saw about you, I think maybe in your bio or on your website, that is that you've been to five of the seven continents. So you must like to travel. I love to travel. That's been such a big part of my life. And 
French is my second language. So I started when I was three. And so it's kind of like having a second culture and it's really, or maybe even a third culture, <laughs> but it's really allowed me to understand and see the human experience from so many different vantage points. And I think it's helped me with writing because I'm able to look for the commonalities that we all have, even though things can seem so different on the surface. So what are the two that you haven't been to? I haven't been to uh, South America and I haven't been to Antarctica. I guessed Antarctica, but I was like, (laughs) I wonder what the other one is. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, but I would love to go to Antarctica someday. I think that would be such a neat trip. And I mean, it's a definite first world problem, but that's been a hard part of COVID is just not being able to go to some of these places that we normally can. Exactly. I definitely have the travel bug and I want to get back to, I want to go to Italy. I just, I like, I want to just have a vacation where I eat, you know, with abandon. (laughs) Absolutely. And just wander around and just kind of enjoy wherever you are. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Jane, thank you so much for coming on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you and hearing all about Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access some fabulous bonus content. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed today can be purchased at the Conversations from a Page bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group and Young Center Houston for sponsoring this episode. I hope you'll tune in next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.